Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, here we are at the third of three messages in our series that we've been conducting the past few weeks entitled Love Out Loud. And uh, I hope that you've been tracking with us as we've journeyed together through this short series of messages. And I hope with that you've begun to see how important it is that our lives as believers be characterized by love and how our love for God and a biblical understanding of how to love ourselves and the love that we have for one another is all intertwined together and uh, an, an inseparable part of the character that we're supposed to possess as believers in the Lord Jesus. So week one, first week, I spoke about loving God. And uh, from that, we gained an understanding that we cannot learn how to appropriately love ourselves or anyone else, uh, God included, until we learn how that he has first loved us. That's what the word says, that we love him because he first loved us. So we, we learn appropriate love from him. It's not something inherent in our nature. We learn it from him. And last week, Pastor Lisa uh, walked us through the biblical principles that teach us how to appropriately love ourselves. And as she highlighted, it's not the conceit or vanity that we see in our world today. It's not a self-gratifying love, but it's a healthy appreciation for God's creative work in our lives. It's, it's an understanding of his love for us. It's knowing that he has created us, he's believed in us. And therefore, knowing that the God of this universe is created, loved, and believes in us and has called us according to his purpose and has a will and a plan for our lives and has uniquely gifted us, then we can appropriately love ourselves the way God intends. So today we're going to be talking about loving others. So uh, we're, going to, we're going to spend some time this morning talking about how we, on a horizontal plane or to love one another and uh, one of the first places when we start talking about how to love other people that we should find Christian true Christian love modeled is in our homes so uh, Pastor Lisa's tag teaming with me today I'm so excited for that so tag all right loving others well one of the first places probably one of the most important places that loving others needs to start is loving those in our home now, when we think about loving those in our home, one of the first places that we're probably referring to are our spouses and our children. Um, it can also be someone that, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever stage of life you're in, it's so important that we learn to love those in our home. And we can love our spouse by loving our children. We talked last week about selfless love. Now, that selfless love that we talked about last week is not easy, is it? Is it easy for anybody? We, we sometimes want to tend to that self-gratifying love, but that selfless love that we talked about is really put to the test a lot of times when we're loving those in the home. Because what do we see a lot of times? We see a lot of times where the people in our home, they get the worst of who we are, don't they? They get us when we let our guards down and we take out our frustrations many times on those in our home, those that we love the most. A little girl was invited for dinner at the home of her first grade friend. The vegetable being served was buttered broccoli and the mother asked if she liked it. Oh yes, the child repri replied politely, I love it. 
But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she declined to take any. The hostess said, I thought you said you loved broccoli. The girl replied sweetly, oh yes ma'am I do, but not enough to eat it. (laughs) I wanna ask this morning, do you love your family? Of course you say yes, you love your family. That's the obvious answer. We'd all say that right answer, that we love our family. But what do we mean by love? You know, so often in our families, I think we're like the little girl with the broccoli. We love them in word, but do we always love them with our actions? Do we love them more with just our words? Our words are so important, but do we turn our words into actions with our family in the home? In the words of the Apostle John, we love in word, but not indeed in truth. 1 John 3, 18. I want to ask this morning with the people in your home, you know, those people really truly know you best of all. And do you take the time to love out loud? What does that biblical love look like in our homes today? We know that our relationships in the family should be marked by love. Husbands are to love their wives, and wives are here to love your husbands and parents and children, brothers and sisters. We've got to love one another too. But how do we know what such love looks like in everyday life. Because when everyday life creeps into your life, into your home, that's where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. When you come in that day from work, you come in that day with those frustrations, you come in that day with that person that got on your last nerve, and there you look at your husband. There you look at your children. And sometimes, I just don't know if we're living that love out loud in that moment like we should. Today I'm going to go back yet again to a very familiar scripture. I know you you guys are all familiar with this scripture, John 10, 10. It reminds us that the thief's purpose is to what, church? What's the thief's purpose? To kill, steal, and destroy. And brothers and sisters, if you don't think he's got a target on your home, you're sadly mistaken. He looks at your home and what's going on in that home, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. One of the main areas of your life that the devil is going to focus on is the home, your family. The devil knows that if he can upset that family, if he can upset that home, then not only has he hurt you, but he has hurt many people that you love. When it comes to marriage, it is of utmost importance that we read the instructions. Now, where are the instructions found for our homes today? In the Word of God, in the Word of God. When it comes to marriage, it's so important that we read the instructions, just as we talked about last week. I don't know if you remembered when I shared that part last week about knowing what God says about us. Mm -hmm. You know what, church family? We got to go right back to the Word of God yet again to know what God says about our homes, about our marriages, about our children. He has spoken life in those areas over us there too. Have we read the instruction manual? God's Word directs us and guides us in every area of our lives. Now, some of you made the mistake of buying your children toys for Christmas. And what do those toys come with? That beloved instruction manual. Okay, raise your hand if you love those. Let me see how many hands I got. Oh, no hands. I'm surprised. Not really. We don't love the instruction manuals, do we? No, last resort. Absolutely. We throw them to the side. That's right. Yes, love. Throw them to the side. So you buy your children these toys for Christmas and they had those little words on the box that said, some assembly required. Of those who did that, which are a very few, like we just proven, read through the directions completely as instructed before you begin to assemble the toy. 
The rest of you do, did just like we thought. You took those instructions, you threw them to the side, you looked at one another and said, right. oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure we it, it out. We got this. And you begin it. But not many of you got the thing assembled without having to dig back out that instruction manual. Come on, be honest. At first, you're going to figure it out, but then you've got all those parts laying there and you go back and you try to find that instruction manual to look at it. Well, marriage is much like that. Marriage comes with the label, much assembly required. That's right. It takes a lifetime of work to put it together the right way. But I bet most of us started out looking at one another and saying, we'll figure this out. We can do it ourselves. But I want to remind you this morning that we have been given the Word of God. We have been given the powerful, life-changing Word of God. And we need to go back and frequently pick up that instruction manual. Most of the problems we get into in marriage can be traced back to our neglect of reading and obeying God's Word. That's right. Most of the time, the things that come against our marriage, it goes back to those places where we have neglected to pick up that instruction manual and read it and apply those promises over our lives. It is surely one of those areas in life where yet again, the trials and storms of life, they're gonna come, right? Matthew 7, 24 through 27 challenges us, reminds us, speaks life over us to build on a solid foundation. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on the solid rock, Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. Anybody got those things beating against your home sometimes? Amen. It won't collapse because it is built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey, it is foolish like a person who builds the house on sand. When the rains and the floods came and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. That's right. Speaking of storms and the trials of life that come. We want to share an illustration with you this morning. Um, Our district superintendent, uh, Rick and Susan Rawls, shared this with us at a session we went to. It really stuck with me, and so I thought this would be really neat if we shared this with our church family today. So we've got this umbrella here, and this umbrella represents the fact that the storms and trials of life come, right? The trials and the storms and the upsets in life come. And you know what? This umbrella represents a covering. And we can take this covering and we can only be mindful of ourselves. What do I need? What do I get out of this relationship? What is going to bless me? What is going to lift me up? But how would our lives be different if we had a love and concern for one another that shines through because God loves us and his love is helping us and his love is teaching us and his love is leading us and it shines through. And so what if that love shines through so brightly that we took a minute to consider those around us and show them love? Absolutely. See, let me get on it. My love. When the rains come, I don't know if any of y'all have ever tried to keep pace with me down the hallway here. But uh, I walk at a pretty good clip, and uh, it's sometimes Lisa just looks at me and she says, if you've got to go that fast, you'll just have to go by yourself. Yeah. And sometimes when the rains of life set in and they try to test the bonds of love in our home, we're, we're, like, we're like I am. I've got the umbrella, 
I've got the plan and I'm moving out, okay? But maybe she's not moving at the same pace I am. So I have to be considerate of that. I have to come back. I have to slow down. Not only do I have to be sensitive enough to realize that we're not moving at the same pace, but sometimes even when you start walking arm in arm, you realize that uh, you, you can't just be walking any kind of way, but you kind of got to walk in step with one another. How many of you find yourselves when, when storms set in, when things come against you in the home that you begin to get out of step with one another? You, you begin to stop moving at the same rate as one another. You're, you're kind of leaving one another behind or maybe you're lagging back, but we've got to be sensitive to the needs of the other person Absolutely. as well. Whatever my, my lady needs, fellas. I'm talking, quit looking at your shoes. <laughs> and all the ladies said, amen. amen. You got to be sensitive to the need of your lady, your children. Work is hectic. I know it is. You got to get up early. You got to run out. You got things to do, places to go, people to see. But you got to be sensitive to the needs of your family as well. Things push us and propel us. And it's an intentional effort many times. By the way, this coming Saturday, Pastor Lisa and I celebrate 22 years of marriage. So. I know I'm, I'm often told that she doesn't look that old, and I, I realize that. I've also been asked before if all three of these were my girls, too. So, um, but anyway, 22 years. And there's many of you out here, you've been married much, much, much longer than that. And uh, you know what that means when she says that it takes a lifetime. It's a lifetime of being, being sensitive and coming under that covering of God's Word together and being sensitive to the needs of each other. And I just wanna say, ladies, you know, there is nothing more powerful and there's nothing more attractive than a man loving God. There is nothing more that you should be attracted to than a man who is being a man of God and leading their family into the Lord. And with that illustration we just shared, I just wanna plug in there real quick if I could. If you're in a place today and you haven't met your husband yet, or you haven't met your wife yet, or maybe you're in a relationship and you're going through one of those storms where maybe the two of you are not walking under that covering together. And there's so many places with your children that you face that where you want it to look like that, but it doesn't right now in this time in your life. I want to encourage you yet again to go back to the Word of God. Yeah. And just as I shared last week, speak life into those places. Yes. What is impossible with man is possible with God. That's right. And we should never give up on what God can do. Yes. And, and so today, if you look at that, don't let the devil use it to discourage your heart, but let it be a springboard into what the almighty God is about to do in your life. And don't just wish for it. Don't just wish for it every day, but believe for it and yes. speak out those promises of God over yourself, over that husband, over that husband or a wife that is to come, and over your children yes. as well. My girls don't even know how many times I've prayed over their pillowcases. Mm -hmm. And I pray over their pillowcases because, Lord, protect their minds. Mm -hmm. When those lies try to come in, let the power of God be so strong in their mind that 
it is stopped in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I just want to tell you that today. Let that encourage your heart and believe and know that God is able. Amen. So it's not just in those of our homes, though, um, or our favorites list, you know, that we are called to love or show loves to, but it's those outside of our homes as well. And Pastor Steve's going to talk to you about that this morning. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's not just love in the context of horizontal relationships should begin in our home. You know, so oftentimes, as Pastor Lisa pointed out, it, you know, we, we put on the face when we go outside the home and, and we can be something different sometimes when we come in to those that we love the most, that we're the most comfortable with. But really, it should begin in our homes and radiate out from there. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning to, to share with you every individual that that you know you need to express this kind of love to we're not going to split theological hairs this morning about who your neighbor is or any of those things but today what i'm going to do is i'm going to take you straight to the worst case scenario of the people that you're supposed to love how many of you know there's some there's some bad people out in the world today that you are called as believers in the lord jesus christ to love Absolutely. that's right you, do you believe that okay so um there, there's some things, there's some Old Testament principles. I don't know if you're like me or not, but there's some Old Testament principles that really resonate in my spirit. Things like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Come, come on, come on. Uh, y'all, can, y'all can shout me down now if you want to, but that, that, that like the human part of me is like yes and amen, Right? They did me wrong, they better watch their back, okay? It's, it's coming, right? Um, some, of, some of my staff people tell me a lot of times, said, you need to watch yourself, okay? Because I have this uncanny ability just to like be able to walk up on people and scare the bejesus out of them and not even mean to, but they're like... They, oh, he means to. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. But they're like, hey, you better watch yourself, you got it coming, you know? And sometimes we have that approach with people around us. Like, okay, they got it. They got it coming. But I want to take you for a minute here to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and Jesus is beginning to teach these principles here. And, and basically, uh, he's trying to change the mindset about how people see other people in the world. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is expounding on these principles. And, and it's principles about selfless, forgiving, compassionate Uh, love and a very active love and he says to them he says this he says look you've heard an eye for an eye right we've all heard that okay so what about a person that slaps you Jesus asks I heard some groans of discomfort so we'll go ahead and deliver the goods here Jesus says turn the other cheek what you, you've, heard, you've heard the tradition. Now, here's, here's, my, here's one of my favorite things that Jesus does is because he, he identifies a tradition that people are living, living by that's not even biblical. It's not even scriptural and far from godly when he says, you've heard uh, your tradition is that you would love your neighbor, love your family, but hate your enemy. You've heard that before, but Jesus says that's not the way it works. What about those who sue you, Jesus asked them. Jesus says uh, that our counteraction to all of these situations should be the action of love. How many of you know that love is not an emotion? Love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. 
Love is an action. It's a choice. It's something that we willfully do. And Jesus in this chapter introduces to us what, my, what we might consider to be some radical principles here. And he says this, Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, he's gone through all this tradition and all of these scenarios of people suing and slapping and all this stuff. And he says this, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now I want you to look across the room today. Do you spot any enemies? Is there, is there anybody that just grates your nerves, that tears you up inside? There shouldn't be. Then if Jesus' instruction to us is to love our enemies, do we rapidly then begin to understand how all-encompassing this love is that we're supposed to share with those around us? That they're supposed to see the love of Christ. I can't begin to tell you how difficult this is. And it's not as much the practice of doing so. It's more the decision to be okay with it. To release to God those that have hurt you. Those that have wronged you. To just to let it go and be okay with it. That's where the hard part is. It's not, the hard part's not praying the prayer. The hard part's crucifying myself enough to be okay with it. Crucifying this flesh enough. I can't tell you the number of times that I've prayed and prayed specifically for individuals that I knew that had, had lied about me, spread gossip about me, sought to defame my character. And, and when you're doing that, let me just challenge you with this. Don't simply stand before the Lord and pray these ambiguous prayers. Don't pray and say, God, for all those that have done me wrong, bless them, amen. No, I was, I, I was doing that one day. The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, I was, I was whining. You ever whine in prayer? I was having a whiny prayer. And I was just lamenting to God all of my difficulties and everything. And, and this verse came to me. It said, pray for those that persecute you. Love your enemies. And I started with that prayer. I said, oh, God, for all those that you know the need and everything. And Lord, you just, oh, and, and, and the Spirit of God spoke to me in that moment and said, name names. And that was a humbling moment to then begin to go through that list and say, God, any Joels in the room? No. Okay, good, good, good. So, so God, <laughs> I lift Joel to you. There were no Joels, right? I want you to bless him, not, not, not somebody, him. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? Not somebody, but them specifically. I want you to bless their children. I want you to bless their household. I want you to prosper them <laughs> and bless them abundantly. That's hard. But it's that choice to love. It's that choice to lift them up and to be what God, you call their names and lift them up to the Lord. And here's the, here's the payoff. Jesus says in just a few verses later, 
He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, and when Jesus references the tax collectors, he's in this context referencing the off-scourings of the earth in, in the mind of the Jewish person in that day and that time. He says, are not even the tax collectors doing that much that they love those that love them back? It's easy to reciprocate love, isn't it? But what about just to give it away? Unmerited, undeservingly, just to love people. To love people. What about that guy down in the traffic median at the intersection that's holding that sign? Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you see him as a creation of God? What about that person at work that just gets under your skin and crawls around all day long? Do you love them? Do you lift them to the Lord in prayer? Are you, are you being what God's called you to be in that context? So we begin in the home with the husband, the wife, the husband and wife to the children. And, and it, it should radiate from there. It should just ripple out to everybody that we come into contact with. We are to be the love of God manifest in this world. Certainly, certainly in this house. Certainly in here. Because the word says that by this will all men know that you're my disciples. Not because you attend a church. Not because you sit on the pew. Not because you carry a dakes under your arm. But because of the love that you have one for another. So with all that being said, we're going to take a few minutes as we're closing today and wrap up with what is this love that we're supposed to show one another? What are the characteristics? What is the nature of the love that we're supposed to share together with one another? And for that, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to just lead you through a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. And then we're going to, we're going to break that down here piece by piece real quickly this morning. And it begins this way, and it says, love is patient. Now, that struck some of you the wrong way right there. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we come back to Love never fails. But what kind of love is this that never fails? Patient. Wouldn't you know, when I was looking at this, I was like, yeah, I got patient. I got patient to talk about this morning. Um, four times in the Old Testament, the phrase is repeated, the Lord, the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, when we read this original context, we see that it is spoken to a people who were doing everything in their might to test the Lord. If you'll remember, this Exodus 34, 6 is on the occasion that Moses is getting the second set of Ten Commandments because he broke the first ones when he came down the mountain and he found the people worshiping a golden calf that they had made. Wronged. God had been wronged. 
God had been wronged, but he was slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And if you remember last week, we talked about that we've got to, rem- we've got to um, remember that we've got to love ourselves enough to remember that God is still working on us. God's still working on me. He's still working on you. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. We've got to love ourselves enough to remember that as this love shines through us to other people, that God's still working on us. God's and he's not, just, on he's not still just working on you, right. but he's still working on the people around you. That's right. He's still working on the people in your home and the people that you work with. And we've got to remember that when we love other people. Philippians reminds us, it says to us that God started the work and God's going to do what? He's going to finish the work. work. He started this work. He's going to complete it. And we've got to remember when we're loving others, that's not just for us. That's for our husbands, our wives, our children, our coworkers, the people who live beside us. Whatever that is, God is still working on them. And he calls us to a love that remembers that. We've got to have patience with ourselves. We've got to have patience with others because God is not finished yet. God's not done yet. Patience with family is love. Patience with others is respect. Patience with self is confidence. And patience with God is just simply faith. Absolutely. And the second part of that love is that love is kind. kind. Love is kind. Uh, when, when we were kids, um, I had two older siblings, and they were always mean to me. <laughs> and everybody said, oh. But my mother would pull them aside and make us all, we'd fall in a fight and we'd all have to be pulled aside and recite Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Ephesians 4 and 32 simply says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. Now I think, I think we all understand boasting and pride and, and we know that those are ugly things. We understand also what it means that we shouldn't dishonor others as well. And the love that God calls us to is kind. Absolutely. Love is not self-seeking. We're called to love as Christ has loved us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we should never, no matter what relationship it is, we should never enter a relationship simply asking what's in it for me. We should never go into any relationship asking what's in it for me because love does not seek things of itself. Love does not seek things out for itself. Self-focus is the opposite of love. Have you ever thought about that? When you're just focusing on yourself and focusing all about your needs and whatever relationship it is, self-focus is the opposite of love. But to correct self-seeking is to become God-seeking. That's right. It's to become God-seeking. When we love God, you know, the Scripture calls us to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And when we love God with all of our heart and we love God with all of our soul and mind, how many of you know that leaves no room for self? Because it says all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and that leaves no room for self. So I'm telling myself this morning too, Lisa, if self is coming through in your love, how many of you know that leaves a little place vacant where I need to seek God? It leaves a place vacant where we need to seek God because to correct self-seeking is to become God-seeking. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um... The next, the next point here is that love is not easily angered. 
Love is not easily angered. Um, for, for this phrase, not easily angered, we could simply reference many of the previously mentioned verses, but I just want to draw your attention to James 1.19. You know, we, we've talked about love in the context of the home and love with those outside. And can I just tell you that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control? I mean, that's something to consider when we're talking about that love is not easily angered, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is self-control. So, yeah, you're tired at the end of the day when you come home and you, you're wore out, but, hey, you need to control yourself for your family's sake, for those around you, for those that you love. Uh, but James 1.19 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, we could just stop right there and start another series. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. But we, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's right. So love keeps no record of wrong. Love will remember transgressions. How many of you know when things happen, we can't forget it, right. right? We're human. It's there in the mind. You can't forget it, but we have to forgive it. That's right. We have to forgive it. It will not let the fault stand in the way of our choice to love another person. Mm -hmm. We can't erase our memories, but we don't allow the root of bitterness to enter in and take control of our lives. There was one guy that said to the marriage counselor, he said, every time my wife and I have a disagreement, she goes historical. The counselor said, don't you mean hysterical? The guy said, no. I mean, every time she brings up everything wrong that I've ever done. <laughs> She's historical. Historical. You know, we've got to be careful of that. We've got to be careful to make sure that we're not holding on to those roots of bitterness and that we are That's allowing right. ourselves, even though you may not forget, you've got to be in a place of forgiveness because we want that same forgiveness coming back to us, right? That's right. Because God has forgiven us. We can forgive others. Yep, yep. Love does not rejoice in evil, but rejoices in the truth. This means that true love doesn't engage in gossip. It doesn't revel when we see other people fall, when we see other people fail, when we see misfortune or calamity. Love is never standing to the side going, well, they got what they deserved. In other words... Even if you don't know something for a fact or you do know something for a fact, you, you keep your mouth shut. You don't spread it. Even when you verify the truth, it depends on whether or not it's good or a bad report, whether you take the pleasure in spreading the news because love does not rejoice in evil but rejoices in the truth. Yes. Uh, we might also include in this that love always protects. Love always protects Proverbs 17, 9 says this, Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It also means that we don't gloat when bad things happen to other people or when we see that they may have fallen. The word, that word that we read earlier, it ends this way. It says, love always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Church, we are called. We are called to love out loud. 
We are called to love out loud. The love that we have for one another is to be so resonant that it is a part of our testimony. It's a part of our witness. It's a part of that unspoken word that lets everybody know who we are and where we stand. And our lives are to be so characterized by an uncommon love for anyone and everyone with whom we come into contact. Absolutely. Like he said, just encouraging you as a church body this morning to let the love that God has shown you. We are so blessed by the love that our Heavenly Father has shown us. I don't know about you, but He loves me through some mess, right? Amen. He has loved me through some mess. That's right. Because I don't always get it right, but He's still working on me. That's right. He's still working on you. And let's let that love and that forgiveness and that care that He's shown to us Let's let it radiate out to the people in our homes, to the people wherever we go. Yeah. Let's live it out loud because He is good. He is is good good. to us. And His love can go past anything else. Yeah. It's the greatest commandment. It's the greatest gift is God's love to us. Let's live it out loud so that others know how wonderful He is. Absolutely. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.